Hello and welcome to this edition of the Camp Wire podcast. We are so happy and thankful that you all are listening today. I'm your host, Kyle Winkle, PR and Communications Specialist with the American Camp Association. Today, we'll be looking at camp health, specifically health opportunities and challenges and resources that are available. have an amazing panel of guests. Each person joining us today has a massively impressive and versatile resume in the world of camp health. So today's episode is sure to have expert insight that you can use as a camp professional or as a camper parent. So without further ado, let me introduce our illustrious guests. First, we have Linda Ersick. She is conference speaker and columnist for Camping Magazine. Her experience includes an impressive run as a year-round camp nurse for Concordia Language Villages. She has experience in working with camp professionals to address camp health needs. She formerly served as executive director of the Association of Camp Nursing. She currently chairs ACA's Healthy Camps Committee to her time at camp, as well as her former role as executive director for the Association of Camp Nursing, now contributes to her educational and resource activities. She's currently writing a book called Camp Nursing, The Basics and Beyond. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Kyle. Awesome, awesome. Great to have you. Next, we have Dr. Tracy Gaslin. She's the Executive Director of the Association of Camp Nursing currently. She is an infusion and hemophilia nurse practitioner, former medical director for the Center for Courageous Kids. She's also leading voice in mental, emotional, and social health, which we refer to as MESH. And she is a contributing writer for Camp Nursing, The Basics and Beyond. Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Good morning, everyone. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. And last, we have Dr. Michael Ambrose. He's the founder and CEO of Camp Doc and the Overarching Doc Network. He is a pediatric emergency medicine physician. He's also the lead author of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Improving Health and Safety at Camp Policy Statement. Doc Network provides electronic health records for camps, childcare, and schools. Dr. Ambrose, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I am great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're so happy to have each of you. We'll open up for general questions here in a bit, but before I do, I want to talk to Dr. Michael about this resource that he's developed called Camp Doc. From my standpoint, this seems to be one of the supreme tools that camps have to ensure that they keep their health records and medications organized and updated. So Michael, I'd just like to start off by asking you, how did you come up with the idea for Camp Doc and uh, how many camps do you work with specifically? Yeah, great question. So the the concept for Camp Doc uh, came uh, came around, gosh, almost 15 years ago now. Um, this October, next month, will actually be our 10-year official anniversary of, of being in business. I grew up going to summer camp my entire life. And the summer after I graduated high school, I volunteered at a camp here in southeastern Michigan and saw what a nightmare it was to manage all of the medical information. Medications were being administered. It was difficult to review health forms and the chicken scratch handwriting that parents had completed them. 
um, and I knew there had to be a better way. So I had approached that camp that I volunteered at and said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to, to build a, an electronic medical record system. If you guys are willing to buy a few laptops for camp. <laughs> uh, and we had a, had a, pilot, had a pilot summer, um, gosh, about 15 years ago now, and it worked. And if it was going to work at that camp, it was probably going to work at any camp. Um, and we've grown quite a bit. We have um, over 1,250 programs across the country that we work with, uh, represented in just about every state. And we do uh, quite a bit of international groups as well. We work with traditional resident day camps, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, YMCAs, JCCs, Parks and Rec departments, colleges and universities. Um, you name the group, we're, we're working with them. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a really great thing you guys got going on. Um, so kind of getting into that, um, I was wondering if I am attending a camp, uh, what would I need to document after I give a medication? What is the benefit of documenting the medication administration electronically? And how does Camp Doc specifically help with that? Yeah, great question. So uh, Tracy, Linda, and I have had lots of conversations with the camp community over the years uh, about medications and medication administration. So I uh, appreciate you jumping right into that because I know it's a, a very hot topic. So within the, the Camp Doc electronic health record platform, um, there are lots of different components, components to track allergies and track health information, components to document illnesses and injuries. Um, but one of the things that we really focused on, and it was one of the very first tools that we developed um, was an EMAR or an electronic medication administration record. Mm. Um, and so whether or not you're using CampDoc or you're using any platform, um, documentation of medication administration is essential. Um, it is essential for many reasons. One, um, you know, to, to verify that it's actually been done and, and should you need at some point down the road to prove that you gave that medication, uh, to, to have record of that is very important as well. Having documentation um, when you go to administer a medication uh, is also very important to make sure that you're giving it to the correct person at the correct time and with the correct dose uh, and the correct route um, and, and really ensuring um, that you know, all of the essentials that, that you're giving that medication in a safe manner is very important. Um, when you are documenting electronically, um, it, it allows you to, to have a lot of additional tools and, you know, at, at your fingertips. Um, one of the most important things is making sure that nobody missed their medication. Um, so, you know, with so many camps and, and so many kids uh, administering dozens, hundreds of medications every day, um, if little Timmy is, you know, over at Arts and Crafts and then is late to lunch, you want to make sure that he doesn't, you know, that you don't forget to give him, you know, his allergy medication or, or whatever it may be. Um, and through the CampDoc EMAR and, and, and other platforms, it can alert you to make sure that nobody got missed. If, even if you are doing it on paper um, and you're using a, a paper medication administration record, a paper MAR, um, it is still important to make sure that you have some process in place to review and make sure that you know, nobody was forgotten about and that everybody got the, the correct medications. That's awesome. I'm sure that keeping track of all the medications can be something that would be totally overwhelming if you didn't have, you know, alerts or the notifications like you said that Camp Doc has. So that's an amazing resource. So another question about Camp Doc, uh, how do you safely share camper health medication information with staff members? And um, does an EHR help with that? 
Yeah, great question. So um, one of the questions that comes up, and uh, Tracy and Linda, I know we've talked about this as well, is right. camps will sometimes get worried about what are they allowed to share with their staff members, with the counselors, with the director. Um, and so it is important for you know anybody who is caring for that child, whether you know it, it has direct you know, responsibilities for that child to have access to that information. So if a, a counselor is responsible for a particular child and, and needs to know what medications that child has, what allergies that child has, um, it is perfectly acceptable to, to share that information. If you have a separate counselor, let's say you know on, on the other side of camp that is responsible for a different set of kids, um, it may not be necessary to share that information with that other counselor. And so, you know, providing access with those that have a need to know um, is is very important. Um, built within the Camp Doc system, um, within our EHR, um, our user permission systems. So you can instead of giving everybody and every camp staff member access to everyone's information, you can pick and choose the essential information. So you can say, this particular counselor, counselor is responsible for these 10 campers. You can give that counselor access only to those 10 campers. You have a unit leader who is responsible for five different cabins in, in boys camp. You can give that unit, unit leader access just to the information that they need to know. And you can get even more detailed. You can give certain people view access versus, you know, a counselor maybe only needs to view the information where a camp nurse or medical director may need access to edit the information. So you can restrict different user permissions as well. Mm -hmm. that, that's amazing. It sounds like such a well thought out process that you've kind of thought about everything. So um, I, I love that. And I'm sure camps could uh, really benefit from using that. So thank you for walking us through um, that awesome service that you guys provide. Um, now, now briefly, uh, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Um, uh, Nurse Linda and Dr. Gaslin, I just, uh, I know you have awesome insights into the world of camping, um, specifically with nurses. Um, I know that as a camper growing up, nurses were among my favorite staff members because I just always felt like they knew everything and that they were kind of like superheroes of some sorts. Uh, at least that's what it seemed like from uh, my childhood. Uh, Dr. Tracy, if I could start with you. You know, according to uh, campnurse.org, the ACN has been providing educational resources for all aspects of camp healthcare. Uh, they developed the scope and standards of camp nursing practice and leads the way in camp health research. So I would like to know what are the biggest challenges that face the association of camp nursing today? And uh, were there any surprises or differences that you saw from the summer of 2019 as opposed to prior summers? Well, that's just a really simple, short question there, Kyle, because <laughs> that is a loaded question. There's so many facets to what you're asking about, but they're all really exciting pieces as well. So, uh, yes, that is our mission, right, to provide education, support, training for camps around Camp Health Services. And what does that look like each year is and can be dramatically different. Linda can speak eloquently to this topic. Uh, because Linda walked through norovirus. <laughs> um, camp nurses have walked through some rather significant experiences that have obviously given them a whole different perspective about what we do and how we do that within many of our remote locations called camp. Um, so we as ACN, I don't know that we per se have 
challenges, we have opportunities, right? We have the opportunity to now talk about uh, CBD oil. Uh, that's a big thing that's been on the radar. Uh, Michael and I have done works uh, already around the measles and immunizations, and we're continuing to work on those pieces uh, because those are recurrent themes, obviously. Uh, Linda is an expert in communicable disease management, and that fits right in with the immunization piece. Um, and so there's always work in those areas. Camp nurses tend to be uh, somewhat of an evolving population. They may be at camp for a few years, and we'll get a whole new group of nurses come in. And every time you get new folks in, they need foundational support. Mm -hmm. They need those basics uh, to kind of really grow and feel empowered to do the work because in the context of where their camp is, they may be the only person. Mm -hmm. uh, so our job and our role really is to help them have a network, a support system, and education in a way that really uh, allows them to go and really take care of campers and staff in very effective ways. We want to uh, really expand ways that we educate and communicate with people. So one of the things we've done recently is launch an online learning center, which has been a big need of ours, and we are continuing to add courses. So now camp nurses that are new can go online log into whatever course seems like most appropriate for them, whether it's an introductory course or whether it's a dermatology course, and take that in preparation for the summer. We also hope camp directors begin to see that as an opportunity to train their nurses before they get to their front door. Mm -hmm. uh, having a nurse on your camp the day before kids arrive is really not an effective way to grow the relationship for one and to really help that nurse feel empowered to do her job well. Right. Um, so we want to help provide some of that front-ending education and support and engagement so that when the nurse gets to the camp, uh, especially if she's new, that she says, okay, I know what my resources are. I know who to call. Mm -hmm. I've gotten some education and preparation. I've had a chance to ask questions around content, and now I think I'm ready. We never know what we're going to encounter. I think I'm ready to kind of take those first steps in the world of camp nursing. So we're we're always excited to do those things. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a, I'm sure that kind of um, orientation process for the nurses is something that makes them feel a lot more at ease, so they can focus on doing their job better. And and uh, I, I love that you said that. That kind of segues into my next question. Linda, you wrote a piece for a camping magazine called Orienting Your Camp Nurse Tips for Success. Um, and I know you're also, we, we spoke on the phone previously and you're a big proponent of the importance and the differences between the roles of nurses and physicians at camp. So my question for you is how do we connect the most talented nurses to camp? And then how do we retain the ones that we really want once we have them? Attracting a nurse, Kyle, I think Michael and Tracy will agree with me, is probably one of the biggest challenges our camp professionals face, largely because camp nursing is probably one of the most undiscovered areas of nursing. Yet it allows a nurse to really practice nursing, not only delegated medical orders. And so that's where when Tracy said we have this group of nurses that have been at their camps for, you know, ever kind of thing, we get some people that are really engaged. My advice to a camp professional when it comes to finding a nurse is that we follow up on every single lead and we take the opportunities that do present themselves to talk about what the job can provide for somebody so that people get interested in the, the practice of camp nursing, which is 
a practice in and of itself. When it comes to retaining the nurses that we would like to retain, here's where I think remembering Hertzberg's management theory from way back when. He made the observation that when a person takes a job, we generally take that job because we're interested in the salary and the time off, that constellation of benefits, but also that it challenges us in ways that are a complement to our professional perspective. Mm -hmm. But the reason we stay with a job changes. Mm -hmm. Okay, That may be why we started, but we, be, we stay with a position because we become affiliated. In other words, there's, there's connection. There's a, a connection to that, you know, I'm here and I made a difference in this camp. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about camp professionals and do they want their nurse to be retained, my advice would be to figure out why did the nurse come to camp, make sure that's met, but then work on those affiliation needs, you know, connect that person. Um, it kind of comes back to something, Michael, you, you mentioned when you were talking about using Camp Doc and how it triggers, for example, when, so, when a kiddo doesn't get their medication, a reminder that they're supposed to come. Well, from a nursing perspective, that's part of the nursing process is yes, to make sure the kids get the medications that they're supposed to. But another component is something that Tracy re references a lot, and that has to do with scope of practice and a director making sure that the nurse also notes the therapeutic effect of that medication. You know, if I'm taking a medication because I have an ear infection, somebody better ask me if my ear is getting better. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, come on, is this working? Or though, And so it's, it's more than just doing a task. It's actually using critical thinking. And I think that's what several nurses discover is that, yes, now all of a sudden they can use those critical thinking skills in ways that don't exist in other practice areas. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's, that's kind of where I would, I would start that conversation of how do we keep people. And the director and the nurse need a collaborative relationship. You know, right. to, work, to work together. And both of them have areas of expertise. And sometimes either one doesn't understand how a particular way of doing something may make it more difficult for the other one in some way. And so that ability to talk and to collaborate is a crucial component. I also, and Tracy probably could back me up on this, there are some nurses who really do have terminal experiences at camp in that they're there just because they want their child to have, you know, a free camp experience. So mm -hmm. then they're going to be gone, you know, as soon as that's done for that child. So we really want to get the affiliation and hook them in and be it with something like camp doc, you know, that streamlines and helps their practice or connection with ACN to inform them about the things they don't need because there's another secret is that the camp nursing practice uses everything that anyone ever learns in their nursing formation program. Mm -hmm. Whereas other practices, we may specialize in an area. You know, if you're working on an orthopedic ward, that's what you're going to see. It's broken bones. Right. But at camp, you're going to see broken bones and everything else. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, stepping into resources such as Tracy referenced, it's critical because right. most of us don't have a broad scope of understanding. 
Yeah. Well, Linda's exactly right. We're as nurses, for the most part, we're not generalists, right? We're not the primary care provider, if you will. Um, and so when they, most nurses that come to camp come out of a hospital setting, I would say 90 plus percent of those. So they are in a very unique area of care, whether it's even a med surge floor or whatever. And they come to camp and they don't know what poison ivy looks like. They have no clue. They, they don't do that on their daily practice. And just or as any of us were, we would not know how to do that. So Linda was talking about hooking them in. So she like set me up to say, they should be members of Association of Camp Nursing, right? Mm -hmm. That's where nurses support nurses, and we are a family, and we call each other, and we say, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. We communicate, we network throughout the year, and it's just one of the most solid ways to keep that nurse engaged in practice so that they feel valued, mm -hmm. educated, uh, forward-thinking, all those pieces that are, are so helpful. And in fact, Tracy, when you said membership in ACN, it triggered a comment from a camp director who said that he always gave the nurses that he wanted to return next summer a membership in ACN because that was his way of thanking them. And he used to do that at Thanksgiving or on their birthday or, you know, some, right, some right. way that they value, but provided that link. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It's so important, I feel like, for them to have that community, like you said, with ACN, for them to have that support system, especially whenever you probably have a lot of uh, nurses who want year-round camp jobs. You know, they don't want to just have be employed for the summer. You know, some of them might, but um, right. just thinking ahead, you know. Um, well, Kyle, isn't that the year-round camp is one of the fastest-growing segments in our camp world? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so... Right. The need for nurses who understand camp nursing, I think, is only going to grow, mm -hmm. you know, which kind of loops me back because it's a question, Michael, I'd love to hear you respond to. When you think about how you've set up Camp Doc, one of the things that I've stumbled upon is that some of our futurists are now saying in the next three to five years, individuals will, have, will own their electronic health record. And when they participate in something such as camp, college, whatever, they will give permission to that entity to access their personal health record and, you know, read the information that's there, add the information that occurs during their time with the entity. And I'm curious, what does that mean from a camp doc perspective? Because it kind of switches the paradigm, you know, where we've been providing a health history form for our parents. now if this you know, comes to pass, they're gonna march in with their own health history. It's not yeah. our forms anymore. Yeah, it, it's a great question. It's something that we are um, starting to see more and more of and, and hear more about. Um, in, in the camp world, um, and the, such a variety of camps that we work with, the information that they collect can often be very different. So yeah. a, a diabetes camp, um, a oncology camp, is going to ask a, a whole host of different questions than a traditional resident camp, um, a camp that is, you know, uh, much more in the backcountry or uh, requires more physical activity may have a different set of questions as well. But there certainly seems to be a, a core set of, set of questions. What we start to see um, 
Camp Doc fall, falls under the Doc Network platform, which also has School Doc. So we're often starting to work in communities where a child um, may be using a, you know, go to a school that is using the School Doc platform and then attend the camp uh, you know, a few miles down the road during the summer. Um, and, and the beauty of an electronic you know, health record and, and sort of what you're talking about, Linda, um, right? I know for families and for the parents that are listening to this podcast who are banging their head against the wall because they have to fill out the emergency emergency contacts for their children <laughs> five times, 10 times throughout the year, you know, give the, the, the copies of the immunization records over and over again. And the beauty with an electronic health record platform like our system is that they can fill that out once and the information saves, you know, saves from year to year and then and, and continues to follow mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I think this is going to put some real challenges, you know, to us because we've been used to in our camp world, like you said, Michael, developing a health history form that reflects the risk exposures of our camp programs and the location that they are. And this kind of switches that, you know, it's like I'm going, ooh, this could be really challenging for how we approach camp health. And it's also when I think about down the road, should something unforeseen occur, it's like who owns that record? You know, and then because it's an individual's electronic health record, EHR, how does the camp access the documentation when they, you know, they want to show their access? Back to, I mean, to me, to, to piggyback off of one of the, the prior questions about documentation when a medication is administered and right for the, the medical legal aspects of, you know, having proof that, that that child got that medication at that time. Same thing goes with medical records or incident reports. Um, and right, mm -hmm. just about every, you know, certainly every state and, and, uh, and oftentimes county specific where these camps and, and schools are located, there are requirements, legal requirements for the collection of this information for retaining the information um, so you know that, that they have that should they need it um, and certainly you know, to, to your point Linda um, you know ownership of that data um, you know certainly comes into play yeah yeah you know Tracy you also talked about like the scope of practice mm -hmm. and one of the things that can be challenging for parents to understand, for our camp professionals who are not medical or nursing staff to understand, has to do with where is that boundary? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the tripping staff who has a wilderness first aid certificate but now has to give a medication. Um, how does ACN handle that concept of delegation and how do we work effectively? That's another short question, Linda. <laughs> You so, <laughs> so absolutely, you know, there's a variety of individuals at camp who do help provide camp nursing services, if you will. And so one of those tasks is often um, delegating uh, that care to an appropriately trained individual. And many times, if you're fortunate enough to have a wilderness first aid person, or maybe it's an EMT or someone like that, they add a value to what we're able to do and provide at camp. But it's ultimately the nurse's responsibility and part of scope of practice to provide parameters around what they can do and very much focused on the skill of something and not the interpretation of data. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I may give the task of 
taking a blood pressure to someone, delegate that to someone, but the task of interpreting those numbers that they receive resides with the licensed healthcare provider, the camp nurse. And so in delegation, we want to make sure we do good orientation, just like we would for a nurse or anybody else. We want to document that orientation. And then we want to make sure that the individual we've oriented is ready to carry out that task in whatever way that may be. Maybe it is a trip and travel experience. Maybe it is being a healthcare assistant. But under having people have a very clear understanding of what their task is within the concept of the larger camp nursing role, which is to interpret, assess, evaluate around the data they receive. Uh, that sometimes is a difficult concept because that falls right into medication management again, right? Mm -hmm. I can train anybody to give a pill, but the interpretation of the assessment prior to giving the medication, how do we evaluate that person after we've given them a medication, maybe for their headache or an upset stomach? Mm -hmm. Because that is the nurse's responsibility. And that really is where risk reduction happens, right? It's not in the task. It's in the assessment prior to the evaluation after. That's the responsibility of your healthcare provider that reduces the camp's risk. And we talk about that a lot with camp directors. Uh, we have many camp directors who are part of our association for this exact reason, for them to understand this concept of delegation of care, working together in the collaborative process of caring for campers, but understanding what the nurse's legal role is within the context of having all these other individuals working underneath him or her. So it's such an important, I appreciate Linda bringing that up because we do spend a good deal of time working through those pieces because um, camp director might say, well, I'll just have a parent give the medication. That way they don't have a license and we don't have to worry about the restrictions of the license. Uh, but they're saying in that statement, I'm taking on a much higher level of risk because mm -hmm. if I have someone giving a medication who doesn't know what to do if a child has a reaction to the medication or even if the medication gets dropped in the grass and lost, they don't know what the medication is and they don't know the implications of that, the adverse events. So there's a lot that goes into play in that lovely little nurse's mind when we're doing healthcare services, mm -hmm. medications, care, treatment, whatever that might be. And there's not enough of us, right? So we need the help <laughs> of people to delegate those tasks to who can walk alongside us and take care of kids and staff in a really effective way. The, the term, I'll, to jump in, Tracy, I know you and I, we've, we did a, a joint webinar between CampDoc and ACN a, you know, a few months back. Um, the, the term that I know you had used and that we had talked about previously was, was UAP, un, Unlicensed Assistive Personnel, um, yeah. and operating under the, you know, under the guidance mm -hmm. of, of a licensed healthcare profession, professional or prescriber. Yeah. yeah. The, the question I think that also comes up to kind of piggyback off of, of what you had just talked about, Tracy, um, is what the heck is a medication? Uh, we talk <laughs> about administering medications, um, and, and I think that, right, that there's that often causes confusion, certainly over here at Camp Doc, and then personally me as, as Dr. Michael, um, you know, I get the question all the time um, as we, we think about, you know, Things that people would most commonly consider medications, you know, prescriptions from from a pediatrician, from a physician, um, but as it relates to camp, um, 
really anything that you are giving a child um, really falls under the definition of a medication. That can mm -hmm. be over-the-counter medications, vitamins, supplements. Um, I know, Tracy, the, you know, the example that I've heard you give before is, you know, for at a diabetes camp, um, you know, if, if a, a camper has their, their blood sugar running low and you are giving them a, a, a spoonful of peanut butter or honey or something like that, um, that would be considered a, a medication um, you know, as well. And I think the, the one of the first and most important steps for, for a camp is they're thinking through, you know, medication management policies is really defining a medication. Uh, and that really should include not only prescription medications, but over-the-counters, vitamins, supplements, um, again, really anything that is being administered to the child and, and really having procedures and policies surrounding that. The, the stuff we give to somebody that either maintains or improves their health. You know, I remember one camp director said, well, I give them food, is that medication? You know, and it's kind of like, okay, the slippery slope here, because I agree with you, it is tough to define that word, but we really need to include, like you mentioned too, some of our remedies that people are using, be the homeopathic, herbal, whatever it happens to be, because there are interactions, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's like, let's understand that. One of the current challenges that we're facing right now is CBD oil, right? I'm getting a lot of calls, questions, inquiries about that. And the challenge with CBD oil right now is that it's not regulated in any way. So we don't really know for sure what is in the actual container or bottle interactions with other medications. We don't know uh, the potential side effects. So when Michael talked about initially about giving the right drug at the right time to the right dose, the right person, all of those pieces, if you can't identify those, then it's likely not a good safe decision to give that as a medication, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so there's lots of um, questions around those products, as Linda mentioned, homeopathics, that don't have regulation. And it's not to say that a nurse can't per se give that, but she is responsible to make sure she's doing things safely. Mm -hmm. That's her job, risk reduction, right? And so if she's giving something in a big brown bottle with no label and the parent says they get five drops of this every day, the nurse has to step back and question, you know, a lot about that product that may potentially medication before she can make a decision about whether to dispense that or administer that at camp. Which loops us right back to understanding <laughs> a state's nurse practice act. Yep. Because medications are in the domain of our physicians. Mm -hmm. And well, not physicians, prescribers. And I've got to get that term in my head because that, that includes our nurse practitioners and so forth. And by virtue of their direction, they transfer their their authority, so to speak, to the camp nurse to use that set of medications. And so when it comes to like our CBD oils and so forth, one of the things that I know I've recommended is that one, you look at the Nurse Practice Act in your state. Does that allow a nurse to use or work with remedies that are not controlled under FDA or whatever they happen to be? And some states make the statement that it's okay for an RN to work with that as long as the RN feels competent and is willing to assume the responsibility that goes with it. You know, and other states don't, ex you know, extend that. And so the nurse is really limited. 
Um, it's, it's knowing little things too, like with CBD and some of our, our herbals, to look for the statement of a standardized dose mm -hmm. on the label, because that tells you that every single tablet or whatever it is carries the same amount of active ingredient in it. But I, I'm just intrigued when I think, Michael, for example, of you and Tracy as prescribers and how you work with medications and other remedies, and then the nurse at camp who sometimes forgets that as a nurse, the nurse needs direction from a prescriber, mm -hmm. not the parent. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, the parent may say whatever they'd like, but that's not the person that can give them the authority. It's got to be the prescriber. And by virtue of a label, for example, on a prescription bottle, there is a transfer of that authority. But um, yeah, just because mom says they get, you know, five drops of this under their tongue doesn't mean that maybe I should ask a few more questions. Absolutely. The other question, Tracy and, and Linda, that I know we often get, and we've talked about before, is how do some of these rules differ for controlled substances? So I think we, we went to the total other end of the spectrum with things like CBD oil, but, um, you know, Tracy, any thoughts or insight on, you know, yeah. controlled substances? Too many thoughts. <laughs> 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 so controlled substances, Michael's exactly right, are kind of the other end of the spectrum. And how do you, and we say controlled substances, again, define that, right? And most of the time yeah. that is uh, the, the class of narcotic medications, the class of ADHD medications. And there's a various sundry other medications that also fall in that controlled category now. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing what those are are really important for your state and your um, camp experience. But controlled substances are the opposite. You really need to have really clearly defined ways to uh, control that. So it's more than just putting it in the camper's medication bag. It should truly be locked. And in some cases, double locked. So maybe it's in a locked box that's in a locked room. And only very specific people have access to that double lock system. Um, it's also helpful if you do a count of those medications when they're brought to camp or when they're just given by the parent to that person, whether it's the person on the bus or the person that's the healthcare provider, count with that parent how many pills are in that bottle or how, or mark the volume of liquid on the bottle with a black Sharpie so you know what the starting point is. And then, as Michael said, diligently document it on the, on the MAR so that you have record of what you gave. And then when you return that medication, do a repeat count to demonstrate to the parent, this is what you sent me, this is what we used, and this is what we're returning to you. And some camps go as far as to have the parents sign at both of those times or the guardian uh, to make sure that there's authentication, that they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do to manage and control those medications. The same plays out for staff. Staff becomes a little more complex because staff don't always have to tell you what they're taking. Um, ideally, you want to encourage them to be forthcoming and fill out a health history and allow the healthcare providers, but that's not always a requirement because of some state regulations. So if a staff presents and they are taking some medication that could cause changes to their cognitive function, we have to be concerned. And we want to make sure we are, uh, this launches over into staff, you know, job responsibilities and job description. We want to make sure that we're doing our best to encourage them to share that information, 
to bring us up to speed with what medications are on so that they, we can then adequately control those as well for them in whatever context the camp has. Now, Tracy, though, you introduced a, um, a point here that I think we need to clarify, and that because staff are employees, uh -huh. the employer, by virtue of representation, for example, a camp director, right. doesn't have a right to know about their personal health information. That right. director, however, does have a right to ask that employee, can you meet the essential functions of the job? Okay, which should be explicated in job descriptions. The healthcare provider, however, does have an obligation to ask and to know that information because failure to do so is grounds for negligence. You know, we're supposed to at least ask a client, you know, what else are you doing to help yourself? What else are you, you know, that type of thing so that we get the information. If a person chooses not to disclose it, that is their prerogative but at least we have opened that door. And so mm -hmm. there is a distinction yes. where, yes, your health center team will know information about staff that a director, for example, would not be privy to. Um, in, in fact, you also touched on that whole area of mesh, mm -hmm. which is one I think all of us will say, you know, we've seen kind of a, a growing, burgeoning amount of medications coming in that touch in that mental, emotional, social health area. Mm -hmm. people's, people are becoming more attuned to the fact that we have mental, emotional, and social health needs, just like the physical ones. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> welcome to the world of being a human being. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may bleed and throw up, but every once in a while you cry or you laugh too. And so there are those areas. Now, Michael, I know Camp Doc are you are able to, for example, generate reports, whether it's for here's the medications that are supposed to be given at lunch or whatever. Is there a way that Camp Doc, for example, can sort out what are the mesh areas that are of concern? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've started to see, and certainly over the last few years, and especially in, in more recent years, um, having, you know, camps gathering information on mental, emotional, social, social health, um, and then allowing camps to generate, you know, reports on that information. So, right, seeing uh, a list and looking at trends or, you know, allowing, you know, uh, unit leaders or camp counselors to better understand, um, you know, the, those needs, those specific needs of their campers before they arrive. Um, and, you know, the beauty with Camp Doc is, is being able to collect this information well in advance. So now allowing the camp nurse um, to address concerns and review that information, you know, not just review medication information, allergy information, um, but, you know, review mental, emotional, social health information, you know, well in advance of camp so that if there are concerns about caring for the camper or if that camp nurse or healthcare provider wants to ask clarifying questions to mom and dad you know or, or to the parent or guardian prior to that child's arrival they can do just that um, and they can you know pull and report on that information um, really specific to, to any question that, that they might be asking yeah thank you Michael thank you <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that because the the piece about mesh that's so critical is the ability to be proactive mm -hmm. the ability to do yeah. all of those things before the camper or staff member and when when you know it 
before they get to your door. And then you can have those conversations. You can develop an action plan or a behavior plan, whatever you might like to call that. And then you can have that conversation when they arrive the first day and make sure that everybody's on the same page, that you get buy-in from the camper or staff so that they understand when this occurs, here's what you do. When you have an episode of a panic attack, here's how we're going to manage. When you're angry, you feel your anxiety kicking in, here's the best steps, the first steps to take. Those are going to alleviate so many challenges during that camp week or camp weeks or camp months. Um, and it will set everyone up for success. When you have to be reactive and respond after the event has occurred, it's more chaotic. It always is. It's more stressful. It's more challenging. And then it's hard not to want to be somewhat punitive when somebody is making the program slow down or not work. So you don't want to be punitive for those people. You want to be supportive. Mm -hmm. So in every way, uh, I always say, even when a camp nurse is just a summer camp nurse, in the best world, you want them to start in like March or April, reviewing applications, looking at all that information, yep. making the phone calls to the families, uh, discussing how we set up these action plans, walking through the summer with them. And then in the couple months after summer camp, doing evaluative work following up on things, making sure things are pulled together and closed and, and secured, and then working until the next year. So there's a lot that goes into summer camp nursing besides June and July. Mm -hmm. Most <laughs> of the important work happens outside. <laughs> or the way we're not important, but we want to set them up for success in June and July. We've got to do those things in March and April. But I think really, that, really have those conversations. Yeah, but I think that's why, Tracy, we're also seeing camps get engaged with mental health first aid, for example, as a course. But then they are also m being much more proactive with bringing in mesh professionals to help. You know, because um, from a health center standpoint, the nurse or the physician often just gives a person the medication. We never see them or you know, have to be around them while they're interacting in the cabin or the activity. And so we don't catch those mesh areas at the opportune moments That's where amazing. our mental health professionals can also step in and be a little more proactive. Um, so I'm glad to see that kind of being fleshed out in our camp world. You know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, we, first aid was always a priority with us. But everybody just thought about the bleeding and the throwing up. You know, we didn't mm -hmm. think about what goes on in our heads. And that can be more difficult and challenging to work with than the bleeding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a really good point. And that's something that's actually really swirling around with the executives at the American Camp Association. There was a, a lot of media stories about how the state, Maine, actually contracted out um, mental health care professionals and social workers who would work at camps for, you know, a duration of weeks so that they could test it out and see what the benefit was. And they, yeah. and they would be working with the nurses and the um, prescribers and they had amazing results. So I think that's something that we might see becoming a trend in the future as well. Right. I think it's growing. In fact, the only, we just need to look at the number of sessions in our conferences, regional mm -hmm. or whatever that circle around the topic of mesh in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep going, Oh, right. Yes. It's about time we woke up to that. 
And there was a big focus of the, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, policy statement on health and safety at camp that I, that I authored and was released this past summer mm -hmm. um, had a big focus on, uh, on the mesh stuff. Um, so very exciting to see it being, to, being brought to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, Michael, I'm glad you brought that up because I was trying to figure out how do we get the Academy's statement in here so that people are aware of it. You know, and I think that's a critical piece. Um, we're seeing all of us becoming more proactive in that, as Tracy said, we want to get ahead of some of this because we want to set people up for success, mm -hmm. be it a camper, be it a staff person. Yeah. Um, and all of this contributes to doing that, including the people that work in your health center. You want them to feel successful too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Oh, I love that, Linda, because... The challenge we run into, and, and Linda can speak to this, and Michael too, but is that sometimes the nurse just gets put in the health center and there by herself alone, and there's no effort really to engage that individual with the larger camp community. Mm -hmm. So they feel somewhat isolated at times, and then nurses will come back and say, I don't know if I want to do that again. It was, it was okay, but, you know, I was just kind of there by myself, and nobody took the initiative to kind of show me what my options were, whether I could you know, go hang out at the fishing dock with kids or so getting that nurse engaged with the camp experience is hugely important as well. Mm -hmm. Because if the camp director wants the nurse back, that person's got to be part of the camp family, right? Yeah. Just like the leadership staff, just like the counseling staff, program staff, the nurse wants to be part of that community. Uh, and I think some nurses come for that reason to see how is this different than an acute care setting such as a hospital. The whole idea of being able to work into your t-shirt and shorts is always a plus, right? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but community is, we're humans. We're made to be community. We're made to be relational. Right. And so I always encourage camp directors, go get your nurse, pull her out of the building, get her outside, uh, have her do the medications out at the picnic table, do something different that gets them out of the health center and helps them realize they don't have to be in that physical building or space the entire time there. I think contributing to the camp program may be one way to do that. You know, like, for example, if the health center sponsors a babysitting course, mm. you know, or a first aid course, or, you know, and they can drum up a little certificate that the kids get who complete whatever, you know, it happens to be. But that helps them, again, affiliate, like you mentioned, Tracy, and they become part of the camp community people. We always talk about a camp community, but I agree. Most people consider the health center kind of a satellite and it shouldn't be a satellite. It is part of the program, you know, just like anything else. So it's like, go for it, people. Yeah, absolutely. That I'd love to ask if it's okay uh, to kind of touch on something that a couple of you mentioned is the difference between um, prescribers and nurses. I'd like to know, is it common to have prescribers, either physicians or practitioners, actually stay on, on site at a camp? I think it's increasing, Kyle. Okay. Um, where we see them commonly present is in our camps that serve specialized populations. Mm -hmm. A medical reason, you know, they're sharing, I don't know, like... Diabetes, heart yeah. disease, oncology, bleeding yeah. disorders, yes. Yeah, where we'll see them physically there. We also have our um, camp physicians, and that's pretty common in a private camp setting where kids tend to be there for four or more weeks. And so having a physician at camp is part of that 
private camp tradition. But our short-term camps, the one- and two-week programs, generally not. You know, it's interesting when we talk about our healthcare providers in this conversation, we are asking a professional to spend a limited amount of time in a program called camp Mm -hmm. or to take time off from their other setting. And that can be challenging because they, they have careers, they have practices, Absolutely. they have clients that rely on their availability when they're needed. And so it's, it's like, okay, come on, how do, we, how do we juggle this in a way? So, you know, no, I mean, right. it, is it common? It happens, but I wouldn't right. say de rigueur. Michael, you were going to say something? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Linda. I think that's what we see over here with the, with the camps that we work with. I think, um, Kyle, the, the thing that camps should be thinking about as, as we think about, you know, uh, licensed prescribers um, or physicians or nurse practitioners, um, for a camp, even if they don't have um, one of those providers, you know, on site, mm-hmm. uh, having access to somebody for standing orders, uh, for uh, you know medical protocols at their camp, mm-hmm. uh, or in the event that you know the uh, a camp nurse or an EMT who is on the site um, isn't comfortable with the situation that has arised and they they need to ask for guidance or advice, mm-hmm. um, having that person even if they're not on site is essential. Um, okay. And and having that person again to to write those standing orders or protocols and, and provide that overarching guidance um, uh, is, is is absolutely necessary. So we're seeing oh. yeah some of those telemedicine kind of stepping into filling this void in the yeah. southwestern part of the state of the U.S. We're seeing um, for example, there's a company that provides telemedicine. You know, you know, a nurse can have a client in the health center and say, okay, is this poison ivy, impetigo, uh, <laughs> you know, chicken pox, uh, creeping crud, you know, whatever it is. And the interesting thing that, uh, with the provider that I'm thinking of is, yes, the provider is one location. They use technology, which reminds me, camp professionals, make sure your health center not only has a computer, but has a computer with adequate bandwidth to access the resources that they need to function. And this provider would be in one location, the health center staff with the campers in another location or staff member for that matter. But this provider was able to also bring in the parents. So it was, you know, a three way. And it was like, I'm going, holy buckets. That's where I think <laughs> technology, you know, is going to really come into the forefront. But again, many of our camps are in places where technology bites the dust upon occasion right, right? one right. good thunderstorm to wipe out the electric grid and you know there goes your technology and your access to your health forms and it's like where's plan b <laughs> one of the things you have to telemedicine is is making a presence in camp because of this exact reason there's not prescribers connected to the camp mm-hmm. uh, the legality piece we have to always remember is that that person that prescriber has to be licensed in that state Or the state has to have some regulation that allows that prescriber to function in that state for a limited period of time. Mm -hmm. And that would be in the medical, the American, uh, the state medical association writes those state regulations for prescriber, for physicians. And so there has to be a licensure piece attached to that as well. So we have to be cautious about thinking you can call 
the prescriber if the camper came from another state and having them give you direction and care in your state. Uh, so there is some important pieces. I think Linda's right, the telemedicine piece is, is coming along, but I don't know that our technology is matching our um, diagnostic ability through that process. <laughs> we can yeah. do a lot of things through the telemedicine from a, from a clinical piece, but technology is continuing to be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. either the hardware or the software. I mean, it's, it's both pieces, you know, right. and as we all know, I mean, there are some things that don't lend themselves to telemedicine. I mean, I right. can't stitch up something right. via technology. Right. Yeah, so that gets back to Michael's point. <clears throat> Yes. Having access to that professional so that you can access those medical services when they're needed. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the camp direct, many camp directors, I'll say many, a good number of camp directors don't understand that piece right there. Yeah. You have to have that prescriber give direction to the nurse to do things. The nurse has a nursing component and is the eyes and ears for the prescriber. So when, the nurse calls the prescriber. They're completely dependent on what the nurse tells them, says they see the story, the history behind the injury, right? Mm -hmm. And then the prescriber is making a decision and taking the responsibility for that care based on what that nurse is telling them. So I'm always pushing, and Linda is as well, do really good assessment, do really good evaluation, yeah. do really good documentation of that so that six months later or a year later, we can go back and say, oh yes, we remember this event. This is exactly how it occurred. Mm -hmm. uh, so that all, all the pieces are there for us to have a good foundation. Yeah. You mentioned that that's something that they use uh, out West. Um, I assume that that might have something to do with the, the difference in density among camps, because I know that for example, in the Southeast, the density of camps within, you know, regional areas are so heavy and so populated that, you know, it might be a lot, make a lot more sense for a group of camps to come together and say, hey, like, you know, here is our dedicated group of physicians. Um, is that something that uh, you see, Michael, or um, is that something that, you know, as a physician yourself, um, what are your kind of views on the fundamentals of the day-to-day -day of, you know, being associated with camps as a physician? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, I certainly think regionally we, we see differences and you know, to, to Linda's point, you know, oftentimes more the private camps have access to a, a camp physician or an advanced practitioner mm -hmm. um, where, you know, the western side of the country, we, we see less of that. Um, Telemedicine is, is becoming a very big thing. Um, you know, I, I practice in a pediatric emergency room. I am often called um, as a, you know, here in the Ann Arbor area and, you know, with, with lots of resources. Uh, it, it happens, uh, you know, not terribly infrequently that I will, you know, respond to a video call for an associated hospital or physician who is out in a more rural area and you know, doesn't mm -hmm. see, um, you know, doesn't see some of the more complicated, you know, cases uh, quite as frequently as I do. Um, I, I think what's important because the the telemedicine um, telemedicine companies and and you know the, this concept is just within the last year or two really starting to come to the forefront in the camp world, um, and I'm I'm sure Tracy and Linda would agree with me in that. Um, it certainly is not meant to replace the boots on the ground. And I, I think um, 
right? If you are able to have access to a camp nurse or a physician or somebody in the community, um, you know, it, it, there's nothing more important than having somebody there um, who can interact and who can meet and then evaluate, um, you know, the campers, staff members on site. Mm -hmm. um, but it is certainly having access, you know, via video or, you know, through telemedicine is certainly better than nothing. Um, and if you have a, a camp um, where, you know, you, you have limited resources, you know, you, you have a camp nurse who, you know, doesn't, we, we talked early about, earlier about scope of practice mm -hmm. and having such a wide range of, you know, orthopedics, dermatology, general pediatric knowledge, you know, and, and all the various things that you come into um, in a camp setting, um, you know, again, if a, if a camp nurse who is, you know, the only person there and, and doesn't have other people in their, you know, their, their camp clinic and, and, and the nurse's office, um, having access to other practitioners you know, via telemedicine can absolutely help. Um, and so I, I think it's it's still very new to the to the industry and the community, but I'm excited to to see where it goes. Yeah, in That's fact, awesome. the, the company Michael um, that I was referencing did a cost analysis. They looked at the history of the camps they were dealing with and asked the question: When people were sent to the physician or the prescriber or whoever it happened to be, the medical professional, was that something that lent itself to telemedicine or not? You know, there's a world of difference between stitch up this wound, which doesn't lend itself to telemedicine, mm -hmm. and help me decide, is this impetigal or poison ivy? You know, that could help, could lend itself to telemedicine. And I think where we're seeing the most active use of it is in the um, mesh area, mm -hmm. where clients are connecting with their mental health professional who's sitting at home you know, in that home community, and the person is at camp with us, but they're using telemedicine to do that biweekly therapy session or whatever. So, yeah, I, Michael, when you said, you know, we're going to see much more in the future, I agree. I mean, we're figuring all this out. It, and it boils down to things like the medical legal aspect of it, too. When Tracy talked about who's licensed where, yeah, that's the starting point. Oh, fascinating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is, this is amazing conversation. Um, I'm going to begin to wrap it up, but before I do, I want to give each of you a chance to kind of give a, a bit of a plug to um, what you're working on or things that you're involved in. Um, I'd like to encourage uh, camps, uh, especially ones that are just now getting started or going through a bunch of changes to check out Camp Doc and just look at the things that the services that they provide. I can't even imagine how much uh, more simple it would make the process if I would be stepping into a camp director role, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. I think that's just such an amazing service that uh, Michael has started. Michael, before, uh, would, is there anything else that you'd like to say about uh, Camp Doc or maybe the, the current state of camp <clears throat> health? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on, on this podcast. It's, it's been fun and it's always fun chatting with, with Tracy and Linda and, and look forward to seeing you guys, you know, at some of the upcoming camp conferences. Um, you know, Kyle, we've, we really are passionate about what we're doing over here, right? I, I've, mm -hmm. I've spent my life um, in the camp world, in the medical world, in the technology world, and I've been mm -hmm. fortunate to kind of blend all three of those together. And um, people will often ask me, you know, you spend all this time, you know, going to medical school to, to be a, become a pediatrician and, and you spend the bulk of your time 
running the camp doc system and platform. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm able to impact so many more people. Um, I, I, I love what I do and I, I still continue to work as a pediatric emergency room physician mm -hmm. here in Ann Arbor and I can go and do a shift and, and see, you know, 15, 20 kids. But, you know, we have over a 1.5 million patient records in our system and wow. so knowing that we are improving the health and safety of kids all across the globe um, is pretty amazing um, mm -hmm. you know the, my favorite part of the year is is really this time right now the, the summer's wrapped up the camp directors the camp nurses have had a chance to decompress you know take their vacations um, and as we start <laughs> to gather feedback um, but, you know, they'll, they'll tell us, you know, gosh, we implemented Camp Doc in the summer of 2019, and this is the first summer in 20 years that we didn't have a medication error, or mm -hmm. little Timmy had a, had an allergic reaction on the bus, and we could instantly pull up his allergy information, his, his emergency contact information on our iPhone, so that we could give that to EMS. So, um, you know, improving the health and safety of kids and, and staff and, and at camp uh, is something that's really important to us and certainly would welcome anybody that is interested um, in, in that concept or the concept of electronic medical records to, to reach on out to the camp doc team. That's that's amazing. Dr. Michael, thank you so much for sharing more about Camp Doc. I, th I think this is going to be super beneficial to uh, camp professionals all across the United States. Dr. Tracy and Linda, I, I know that you are working on um, a book called The Camp Nursing, The Basics and Beyond. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about in terms of that, <laughs> in terms of when it's coming out or when we can uh, get our hands on that? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tracy and I are at the point where our manuscript is supposed to be to the editor on the 1st of October. Okay. Oh, wow. That's coming up. You're right. You're right. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, the keyboards are getting hot at our office. <laughs> and we hope, well, it's planned that that book will come out at the ACA and the ACN National Conferences next February. Okay, so Excellent. that's the target. And um, it actually will change in that rather than just address the basics of camp nursing, which is a current book that's out that I've authored with Myra Pravda, Tracy and I are working so that we not only provide that for the entry-level type nurse, but we have a lot of our healthcare providers, our health center folks that have been around camp. They understand it. And so we're adding a lot of substance in part two that has to do with how do you build out that practice, okay? Mm -hmm. um, how do you assess a community's needs? I think, like, we haven't talked in this conversation about injury and illness, data management. Tracy is intimately involved with that, with our Healthy Camps Initiative. Michael is connected to that as mm. a research contributor in the data area. Um, and so we've got a lot of initiatives that are moving us as camp people into the next decade. Yeah, this, this Healthy Camp People 2020 is coming to an end, and now we're stepping in and getting ready for Healthy Camp People 2030, which... Mm. You will, people will hear more about that as of the national conferences coming up. And so there's, there's just a lot percolating that builds on the kinds of things we've talked about in this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Tracy, what, what your perception is. Of the book? And the difference, you know, we, we speak of camp health Sorry. services as different from 
the health center. I mean, that absolutely. Yeah, I know. But long before, I mean, I was even around. Linda was trying to promote camps from using the word infirmary to health center. And for the most part, we are pretty closely there. We still have a few camps that are holding on to that infirmary word, which is a very illness kind of focus to the health center and promoting health and wellness in our camp communities. So we love that. And that's just some simple language even that changes the dynamic of how we approach what we do. Uh, the one thing I would like to say before you have to end is um, Association of Camp Nursing is not just for nurses. Uh, Michael is a member, he's a physician. We have about a third of our members are camp directors. So if you or someone at your camp are involved, if you lead your health services, if you're interested in quality health services, you should be a member of ACN. You'll get our newsletter, you'll get up-to-date information about things happening. When the measles was the big topic at yeah. the beginning of camp this year, Michael was writing, we were writing, we were all collaborating, and all that's going out to all of our members very quickly so they have the most current and up-to-date information to guide their practice for the summer. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of what we want to do as well is as those concerns or issues arise, let's address those. And I'm always on the phone with Linda and Michael and different folks to say, okay, here's the need. How do we address this need for the people at camp? Mm -hmm. And we work very closely together on so many initiatives in that way. So if you are invested in camp, your camp health services in any way, we encourage you to be engaged with ACN. Um, I get emails. Do I have to be a nurse to be a member? Absolutely not. We have all kinds of members. And we just launched our camp membership option. So now you can join as a whole camp. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be an individual. So the camp can join and have three to five people that are members under that camp membership. Mm -hmm. So we're excited about that as well because camps often want to have the director and the nurse and the lead counselor all be members and get that information. So basically, you know, I just want to encourage, um, you know, camp directors and staff members check out Camp Doc. Nurses, check out the ACN and all the services that they provide. And for anybody working in the camp field or uh, campers themselves, check out Camp Nursing, the benefits and beyond. Be on the lookout for that. Coming soon. We're so excited. And I just want to thank you all so much to the amazing guests today, uh, Linda, Dr. Michael, Dr. Tracy. Uh, we really appreciate your time. And we all want to thank you for listening to this episode of Camp Wire. Thank you so much.